Welcome to Every Business Counts, the podcast which shows how money and numbers can support you to build a sustainable business. My name is Lynn Mann and I'm an accountant and a coach with over 20 years experience. In each episode, I will be exploring how money and your business numbers can help amplify the impact you want to make by focusing on purpose and profit. Because every business counts. Hello and welcome to another episode of Every Business Counts. My name's Lynn Mann and today I have with me Steve Pipe. Now Steve is an accountant, an entrepreneur and an author and he believes that businesses can be a force for good. And after 20 years of researching and discovering what works, he's now literally giving away all his intellectual property in order to help create a world full of giving. He's just written Time to Rise with Paul Dunn and has a gift for all listeners, which we'll share at the end. Now, I first met Steve on a B1GX, G1X conference in 2019 that he organized. And one of the things that st- always stood out to me was his passion for giving and also his passion for businesses being forced for good. So, Steve, thank you for being here with me today. I'm thank really you so much for having me, Lane. Oh, you're welcome. And I'm looking forward to seeing your your insights, um, being that accountant who's kind of moved over, expanded what they do. What I'd like to start with is asking you, so what triggered your awareness that businesses can be a force for good? Well, I I mean, I guess I've always been fascinated in what makes business tick. That's really why I became an accountant in the first place, because I believe that accountants make a real difference to their clients. And indeed, I still believe that. I've seen the evidence around me all over the place. But I guess my conventional training had equipped me to to focus on profit and costs and uh, business models and tax and finance and cash flow and so on. And, and all of those are hugely valuable. And I'd spent you know, 10 or 15 years trying to really understand how not just to use those things to keep score, but actually to, to improve the results of the business, to, to improve the score. And, and along the way, I've had the good fortune to be able to write a few books and in produce a TV series called Easy Money, which was looking at, at finance and business. So I was really quite quite immersed in that. But along the way, there was a gentleman called Paul Dunn, who's actually one of the co-founders of, of B1G. And, and, and Paul was revolutionizing the accounting profession, giving the accounting pro- profession permission to do even more, to be even more valuable, to have bigger goals by using their skills with numbers to help clients get better data, make better decisions, and therefore generate better results for themselves their businesses, their communities, and the world. So I kind of learned from Paul, and Paul's been a mentor and a friend um, to the entire accounting profession and and to me personally. But then when Paul moved from that business to setting up B1G1, very early doors, he shared the idea with me. And immediately I could see it was like the missing link. This putting purpose, putting values, putting who we are, what we stand for, at the center, not just of our lives, which we do, all of us individually, you know, at home and in our families and in our communities and in our friendships, but at the center of our businesses, our business models, our approach to business too. So it was really Paul Dunn that, that opened my, eye, my eyes to this possibility. But then being a good accountant, I went away and studied the research and I, you know, I really wanted to see the evidence. I wanted to talk to businesses that were beginning to become businesses for good or in some cases have been it for a long time see or learn from them 
the difference it was making, how it made them feel, what difference it made to their team engagement and so on. And all of this all came together. It was crystal clear. The evidence was overwhelming that businesses can be a force for good, yes, regardless of what they do, where they're based, how big or small they are, how well established they are. Every single business can be a force for good. In a moral sense, we must be a force for good. We should be a force for good because it's the right thing to do. But in a commercial sense, it's also the right thing to do. The research shows that it's not just good for the world, being a business of good, good for others, but it's good for our businesses too. So, you know, this is, you know, all of that stuff came together and influenced me profoundly. Well, and I, I love that because I worked as an accountant within um, within business, mainly in corporate. And one of the things, it's interesting how you say you could see accountants could make a difference. I could never see how an accountant could make a difference. And I think what I saw was um, actually how um, that drive for profit shut people not shut people down but shut the business down it was so focused on on making profit that decisions became very short term that you know we'd be asked to find another one pence per share or we'd be asked to cut our costs and it was never really there was never really a purpose behind what was or certainly it was never explained so actually seeing that you know, you, you've been able to see the research that shows being a purpose-driven, being that business that's a force for good, actually increases profits, really turns that, um, turns it on its head in that mm. actually profit-driven is actually worse for the business in the the long run. Yeah. Um, it is combining, it, it's going from that purpose and letting it flow. I think a lot of people, um, I think a lot of people assume that there is a trade-off between purpose and profit, and that you can put one or the other first, but in some way they're mutually exclusive. And and actually, I think the evidence and common sense, when you really think about it, tells us that categorically there's no such thing as a trade-off. And I'd love to share with you a little example. Uh, which I think will illustrate that really, really well. And we'll give our listeners the opportunity to answer the rhetorical questions that, that, that we'll throw out through this example. And then for themselves, just experience for themselves the fact that there isn't a trade-off. I mean, I, I think genuinely, so if that's, okay, if that's okay, I'd love Please to just talk, talk you through that, Lynn. Um, you know, I genuinely think, you know, we're, we're recording this in the middle of the COVID situation. And I think that, the world, societies, businesses, us all, will are already at a crossroads. But certainly when we come out the other side of COVID, we will be at a very, very clear crossroads, a fork in the road. And we have a choice of taking the left-hand fork, which is back to pretty much business as old normal, you know, pretty much to the things the way they used to be. Or we have the alternative choice, which is the right-hand fork in the world, in the road. And, and the right-hand fork, in, and the distinction there is, you know, we're seeing around us an outpouring of kindness. My, my dad, my uh, elderly father, was poorly last week, um, rushed into hospital, turned out to be nothing particularly major, I'm pleased to say, and he's back home now. But the outpouring of kindness from his neighbours, one of them came round yesterday and just mowed his lawn because the grass had grown. You know, there's about six, eight inches of, of big, tall grass shoots amongst the much smaller, shorter <laughs> lawn. So it looked really weird. And his neighbours just come around and, and mown his lawn. And, lawn. 
and that's just one small example of what we've seen all around us a an outpouring of kindness a refocusing in everybody's lives on recognizing that some things are more important than others actually health happiness joy love friendships kindness are far more important than you know the size of the car on our drive or the, the, the how many miles away the more exotic the holiday is going to be or the, the designer label on the clothes we're wearing and so on. We've all had this sort of refocus on what's most important in our lives because something like the COVID situation brings that into focus. And we've seen in so many respects an outpouring of kindness, niceness, you know, people being good, businesses, communities doing the right thing, doing good things, you know, be, being loving and kind and sharing. So we're at this fork in the road, and we can either build all of that stuff, that kindness, that new wave, that new focus on what's most important into our lives and our businesses, or we can just throw it all away and go back to the way it used to be. And I'm absolutely determined to do what I can in my life and, and in the businesses that I have some kind of impact on to uh, or an influence over to, to help them take that right-hand fork. Because I think the left-hand fork in the world, in the road is going to result in businesses and communities and the world getting left behind in some way. And the right-hand fork in the road is the right way to go because it involves doing the right thing. So there's my sort of metaphor, this fork in the road metaphor. If, if we stick with that idea and let's really make it, let's, let's, let's say we've got to this crossroads effectively where you know, the COVID lockdown and so on has disappeared and we're allowed to go out and go to coffee shops. So for example, we're in, you're in a town, every single one of us listening to this, you're in the middle of a town, you're on a high street and you really want a cup of tea or coffee or whatever hot drink it is turns you on hot chocolate. You want to go into the coffee shop and buy one of their drinks. Um, let's assume it's coffee. And in front of you are two Coffee shops, they're equally convenient because they're right in front of you. They're next door to each other. They both serve exactly the same coffee. They are equally nice. The, the layout, the decor, the, the furnishings are equally the same caliber. It's the same type of coffee. The baristas are you know, equally nice, equally well-trained, equally friendly, you know, equally well-dressed um, and so on. The coffee is exactly the same price. So essentially... There's no difference between the coffee shop on the left as you look at them and the coffee shop on the right. Same price. So let's say they're selling their cups of coffee for three pounds. Both of them, three pounds. Same coffee, same price, same thing, same convenience, same in every respect. Except the coffee shop on the left, well, it sells you the cup of coffee as promised for three quid. The coffee shop on the right, you get your cup of coffee for three pounds. But in addition to that, just because you go in there and buy your cup of coffee, a child in Africa gets access to clean water for that day because a well is funded in their village. And so instead of that, very often it's a young girl. In Kenya, it certainly is. And we went out and visited some villages and carried water back from a distant well, my daughter and I, last September. And it was an extraordinary experience in the heat and the, inconvenient, the, you know, the, the challenges of uphill with huge water is unbearable. Anyway, Many, many, in many, many African communities, it's the young, the youngest daughter that goes to bring the water backwards and forwards. And it takes such a long time that as a consequence, normally, they actually don't have time for an education because they're bringing the water back, they can't go to school, and therefore they're stuck in a poverty trap. But when you go to that coffee shop on the right, just because you've bought your cup of coffee there, that's funded a well in the village. And we'll talk about the cost of doing that in a second, but you'll see it's extraordinarily small and extraordinarily affordable. In fact, it's a complete no-brainer. It's funded a well in the village, which means that you get your cup of coffee and the, the uh, 
African community gets days, a day's worth of access to water because you bought that cup of coffee. And their entire life is changed and lifted up just because you chose the coffee shop on the right rather than the coffee shop on the left. So here's the question for each and every one of us listening um, to the podcast, which is, so you're standing in front of these two coffee shops. Both of the two cups of coffee are three pounds. You now understand the nature of the choice that you have. You can go in the coffee shop on the left or the coffee shop on the right. Which one would you go in? Now, I've asked this question in much the same way um, last year to a group of a thousand people. They were actually accountants, as it happened, in Salt Lake City. And I got them to either stand up if they go to the coffee shop on the right or stay seated if they go to the coffee shop on the left. And all bar a dozen or so, so this is 985 people stood up. They said they would go to the coffee shop on the right. The queue, I mean, imagine what the queue would be like outside the coffee shop on the right. And the only difference is not the quality of the coffee or the people or the convenience or the product or the service. It's the purpose and it's the impact. And then, and then I explain, okay, so now imagine, because everybody th- might think, well, okay, but surely it's going to cost a fortune to fund a well. Well, one of the genius things about uh, B1G1 that Paul, Paul Dunn started is that uh, Paul and Masami started is that it takes the cost of the well and breaks it down into the smallest denomination. So let's say a well is going to cost a thousand dollars, but it's going to pr- yield water for you know ten years, so that's a um, hundred dollars a year, and it's going to yield um, it's going to provide water for a hundred people, so that's one dollar per person per year. That's less than one U.S. cent per person per day to fund the water. So. The coffee shop is able to fund one day's worth of water for one cent or less out of the three pounds price. So my second part of the question to that group of a thousand accountants in Salt Lake City, but also to everyone listening, is if the coffee shop on the right, instead of being the same price, three pounds, if they charge you three pounds and a penny, which is, by the way, that is one P added to the price, and their costs have gone up less than one pence to fund the water. So it's actually more profitable per cup of coffee to do that. Would you as the customer switch to the coffee shop on the left that doesn't change lives? Or would you stay on the coffee shop on the right that's doing the right thing that is changing lives? And every single one of those 985 people stood, sta- sta- stayed standing. In other words, I wouldn't switch for a small price differential. Mm. So now what you've got is 985 people paying $3 and a cent or a penny, three pounds and a penny, which is, you know, what is that? 3,000 pounds worth of sales there and then. And we've got the coffee shop on the left, which has got 15 people. Most of them didn't understand the question are only going to that one out of mistake. And they're paying three pounds each. So that's 45 pound sales to the coffee shop on the left. And in my example, I know these are crazy numbers, 3,000 on the right. I'm not promising No one's promising that that's the differential. But the point is crystal clear. People will pay more and more people will support businesses where the purpose, where the impact, the purpose is doing the right thing, where they're a business for good. The business on the right, the business for good, was selling way more coffee at a sufficiently higher price to fully cover the additional costs of doing so. And the business, and and it had, you know, just think of the word of mouth advertising. Which of those two coffee shops were those people, those thousand people? Which of them would they go back and talk about? There's nothing to say about the coffee shop on the left. It's literally going to get left behind. The coffee shop on the right, on the other hand, 
has got this buzz. It's got this sense of purpose. It's got this sense of community. It's this shared joy that comes from knowing you're changing lives. Which of those two coffee shops is going to get the most word of mouth advertising? Clearly, the coffee shop on the right, the coffee shop already making more money and goes on to make even more money because people talk about it. Which of those two coffee shops are the baristas going to be so much more enthusiastic and engaged and motivated to sell more coffee? The coffee shop on the left, every time a barista sells a cup of coffee, all it does in their head is makes money for the business owner. But the coffee shop on the right, the coffee shop that has purpose, the coffee shop that's a business for good, is not just making money for the business owners and as we can see it's doing that by the bucket load but it's also changing lives so you know the mentality of the baristas is i want to sell more coffee because every cup of coffee is another person that we're helping so the motivation the engagement the sales the profitability of businesses doing the right thing is significantly better so you know i'm an accountant i spent the we're, we're both accountants you know, we spent the whole of our grounding saying our job is to get the facts, is to help businesses get the facts and to make decisions based on the facts. If I'm an accountant presenting two alternative business strategies, the strategy to, to go back to the old, we reach this crossroads, we reach this fork in the road, you know, my strategic advice to my clients would be, we reach the fork in the road, you have a strategic choice. You can be the coffee shop on the left, the equivalent. Obviously, most businesses aren't coffee shops. We'll take that, that example, that metaphor, and show how to expand it to any other business. But you know, the point is the same. You can either, strategic option one, you can go back to the old ways. You can leave your values behind, and you can focus on what you think is you know, the lowest cost way of doing business. That must be, in inverted commas, the most profitable. But it's the coffee shop on the left. We already saw they're selling a few cups of coffee for less money. Or you can actually get the facts. You can align your business with not just your values, not just your purpose, but what has become increasingly obvious, the values and purpose of most of us. You know, the, the example of my dad getting his, his lawn mowed by the neighbors is, is yet another example of the fact that this is how we feel. We want to be kind and supportive to each other. We want a world that's fairer and nicer and and. And, and more equal and, and, and more just and all those things. Um, and, and so that's, that's what the coffee shop on the right is aligned with, the values of the business owner, the values of our world, our communities, and the logical, rational decision-making tells us that strategy B, the one on the right, the, to become a business for good, to do the right thing, there is absolutely no question about it whatsoever that is the right thing to do the best thing to do commercially um, in terms of values in terms of profit in terms of purpose in terms of integrity in terms of being able to look ourselves in the mirror in terms of motivation in terms of word of mouth advertising what is it about the strategy to go back on the left hand side and get left behind what is it about that that makes any sense whatsoever nothing so there's no trade-off there is literally no trade-off. There is simply, we need to get the facts, we need to get the evidence, and we need to go with both the evidence and our heart. They're pulling in exactly the same direction. They're giving us exactly the same answer. You know, we were raised to be, I, I guess, each and every one of us, nice people. Why do we leave that kindness, that niceness at home, at the front door, when, when we go to work? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't those values flow through into our business environment as well? given that it's the right thing to do and it's a commercially the right thing to do as well.
Uh, I, I actually, I love what you said because then there's a number of things that really jump out. The last thing in particular, it's like, why do we leave our personal values at home, uh, are wanting to be kind um, and connect with other people when we go to business and put on this this business hat that is, I have to be driven by um, profit. But the other thing is really focusing, at actually take it back to the facts. And I think there is that fear that it's because you've got to change from from being profit-driven to purpose-driven, well, surely that means that, you know, I guess if you you look at charities, charities are traditionally seen as inefficient because they're purpose-driven, but that's not the case with when you apply it in your your business. Mm -hmm. It is that actually, as you've highlighted, it benefits the, the employees because they become more motivated if we look at the costs of presenteeism and ab- absenteeism you can start by removing those by getting people behind the purpose by getting them bought into the values yeah um you have the 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 brand the increase of brand awareness in that it is in a brand attached to being um being good that has a purpose as opposed to a brand that, you know, it, it raises the awareness of that brand and what mm-hmm. that brand's about. Yeah. Um, so there's so much in there that actually helps the business. If you take it down, as you said, to being strategic about it, it is actually helps move the business forward in a better way and therefore allows the business to make a bigger impact in the world and to make a, a bigger profit and therefore to to grow and evolve yeah um, yeah through doing this with, with without a shadow of a doubt i mean we've the, the the coffee shop example is a great way of each and every one of us thinking well which decision would we make and which decision would here's the i mean i think the brilliant question is would everybody choose the coffee shop on the right no even in my, in my example some people by mistake chose one and left and some chose it deliberately you know some people you know just don't want to be involved in charity stuff or they want to do charity stuff their own way and that all of that's absolutely fine those are individual choices but here's the i mean the really interesting question is the kind of customers you want to do business with the kind of people that you would like to you know customers that that could, could be friends i'm not saying your customers will become friends but you know the ones that share your values, share your worldview, the ones that are going to be a joy to work with, which of those two coffee shops would they choose to go to? And they would overwhelmingly, almost universally, choose to go to the coffee shop on the right. So this methodology, as well as um, you know, being good in all the ways we, we looked at before, actually helps you focus on the right um, customer group, the, the right audience. You, know, you can't be all things to all people, but... But if if your if your values are real, if they come from the right place, and if the story that you're able to tell about how you're living those values is is a powerful one, you see, there's a real there's real power in the story that every cup of coffee provides a day's worth of water that changes a life in the young in the young girls in Africa. And that's a simple story to tell. If if the if the story had been these are these two coffee shops, and the one on the right, when you go there, they give less than one cent per day, per cup of coffee to charity, which one would you go to? I have never asked that question, but I reckon the audience would be roughly 50-50 split because they would go, ho-hum, one cent, doesn't really make much difference, does it? But actually, 
if you invest that one cent in the right kind of project, the water one that we were just talking about, and you tell the story, you connect up. You know, there's a real natural connection, isn't there, between delivering drink to your customer in the form of coffee and water to someone else automatically because they bought the coffee. There's a lovely you know, synergy and connection there. But also the story is so much more touching and powerful because we talk about the water that's life-giving and health-giving and changes life because it gives access to education and so on. If my story had been about we give one pence or we give an unspecified percentage of the the, 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 the price of each cup of coffee, people go, yeah, ho-hum, I don't, I don't really get it. It doesn't, it doesn't inspire them. So it's not only about being a business for good that has that purpose, but finding the way to structure it and articulate it so that we can tell the story in a way which is real which is compelling uh, which really grabs people and that's around you know the right imagery the right uh, the choosing the right connections of water is an obvious one in the case of the coffee shop um but using the right words and being able to to wrap some numbers around it being able to scorecard the impact that you're having um and if there's so many ways in which we can get that wrong but when we get it right you know, it, it, it's it's transformational. So that coffee shop, for example, may ha- may choose to set a target and may have a big poster in in the in the shop that says, you know, "Our target is to deliver one million days worth of water." Now, actually, one million days worth of water at less than one cent a day is going to be get my maths right is going to be less than ten thousand dollars. And if at ten thousand US dollars, so in sterling terms, that's about eight thousand pounds. That one million may be a target that they aim to achieve in a year or you know in ten years. Let's say it was a ten-year target. What an amazing thing! A million days worth of water in ten years. But actually, that's less than a thousand dollars a year. That's actually a very, very affordable, modest level of funding. But because we don't talk about the $1,000 or the one cent for the day, we talk about the million-day target or the one cup of coffee equals one, one day's worth of access to water. Suddenly, the story becomes so much more powerful and so much more attainable. Any business in every business can afford its equivalent of you know, one cent to connect up things that happen in the business with making something good happen in the world. And that's, that's the general principle that's at play here. We talked about the coffee shop, and that was really just an example, a metaphor, if you like. But if you think of all of – there are many dimensions to being a business for good. I mean, you should have environmental policies so we cause as little damage to the environment as possible and you know, carbon policies and fair trade policies and – uh, fair employment policies and and the list goes on. We should be doing doing as little harm as we can and as much good as we can through our business and our employment and supply chains and so on. All of that, however, is is actually quite difficult for businesses. And that whilst it's important and we should be doing those things, it's quite difficult. Whereas the coffee, sh- the the idea that's at the essence of the coffee shop thing is something that every business could start doing today. It doesn't involve redesigning the supply chain, rewriting the employment policies, relooking again at, you know, at bias and discrimination and environmental footprint and all those other things, which we need to do. But we can, there's something we can do immediately today, which is the equivalent of the, the coffee shop thing. We can take the general principle, which is why don't we say that strategically one of the things we're going to do to become a business for good is every time something good happens in our business – 
We're going to make something good happen in the world. I call that the when good, then good process. So the in the coffee shop, it's really, really simple. The good thing that they focused on in the business is we've sold another cup of coffee. That's something they want to do over and over and over and over again. It's great for the business. We sell coffee. So they've decided strategically, when we sell a cup of coffee, which is great for the business, we're going to make something great happen in the world. And they've decided that's going to be one day's worth of water. Now, in any business listening to this, we can all think about what are the good things, one or more good things that we really want to encourage, to celebrate, to see more of in our business. And that could be winning a customer. It could be making a sale. It could be getting paid on time. It could be someone joining our mailing list so that we can see you know, our, our newsletter. It could be someone visiting our webpage or attending a webinar or a seminar. It could be that they give us a testimonial or a recommendation or a referral. Those are all great for our businesses. So we could decide on one or more of those things, and then we might make a strategic decision. Well, when one of those things happens, we're just going to link it to making something good happen in the world. So, for example, if we, I've written a good number of books, every time we sell a book, we plant a tree. Selling a book is good for me as an author and a business. Um, so we make something good happen, plant a tree. There's a nice natural resonance between cutting down a tree to make a book and then planting another tree to replenish the the forests and so on. It could be that I run lots of webinars. When someone comes to one of my webinars, we fund e-learning for children in rural India. We fund a week's and often a month's worth of e-learning. I'm embarrassed to say that a month's worth of e-learning for a child in India through B1G1 costs 30 US cents to fund. So if I get 100 people coming to a webinar, that's 100 delegates times 30 cents, that's $30. I will gladly give $30 to fund 100 children, get a month's worth of e-learning for $30 as a way of celebrating the fact that 100 people have come to a webinar, which I'll you know, share whatever commercial purpose the webinar is about. But, um, and so you can, you, you can make these connections. When something good happens in the business, we're going to make something good happen in the world. And then as – so when people come to my webinar, I don't say, look at me, aren't I great? I've just given – you know, another 3,000 days, 30 children, 100 days each. Yeah, that's 3,000 days of, uh, of access to e-learning. I say to the audience, thank you so much for coming. Just because you're here on this webinar together, you've unlocked an act of kindness, which means that because of you, 30, 100 children have got a month's worth of e-learning so that you've got some value out of today's e-learning, but a child's life is being lifted up and improved thanks to you. It's thanks to them in the sense that because they come to the webinar, I funded it, but I funded it on their behalf. They're the heroes. So this is, again, this is part of the, the way in which we can ensure that we stay on the right line of um, you know, not coming across as arrogant or bragging. The coffee shop wasn't bragging. It was just you know, naturally you buy a cup of coffee, you change your life. You come to a webinar, you change your life. You buy a book you change the forest and so on. I mean, I don't even sell paper-based books to any great extent. They're mostly digital, so there aren't even trees cut down, but the point still applies. We can make this connection between when something good happens in the business, we make something good happen in the world. And then we can start counting. You know, we can start, we can keep a scorecard. You know, we're accountants. We, we love the fact that when you can measure stuff, you can manage it for sure. It's the old cliche, but it's true but you can also monitor it. You can also use it to motivate behavior and encourage more of that behavior. So you know, any business can start building what I would call an impact scorecard that shows how many trees it's planted and how many days worth of water and food and education it's funded and so on. 
And each of those impacts is a smile. You're, we're creating smiles around the world. And there's another lovely piece of language. You know, just imagine if the goal of your business, whatever your business is, is to create a million smiles, not just the smiles that your product or service delivers to customers, but smiles on the faces of people around the world that you'll probably never meet, but whose lives are touched just because someone buys one of your books or attends one of your webinars or buys your cup of coffee or whatever else it is that you choose to, to, to use as the trigger. You know, those, those things that are good in your business, you treat those as triggers. When one of those trigger events happen, we sold another cup of coffee, sold another book, we got another referral, we make something good happen. We share our success around by using a tiny, tiny fraction of that success, the monetary rewards we get from that success, to make the world a better place at the same time. Imagine if that were happening in millions of businesses, millions of triggers, then we would have billions of smiles created around the world. We would tackle, you know, that we would tackle most of the problems, most of the challenges, the UN, the 17 UN Global Goals. We could, in business, if we use our, if we bring our values through from home and don't just leave them at the front door at home, but bring them into our business, if we recognize we're at this fork in the road, if we choose consciously to take the right hand fork to become a business for good, to do the right things, if we choose to connect up um, the good things happening in our business with making good things happen in, happen in the world, then not only will we make great things happen in the world, but we'll inspire others to follow us. So imagine each and every one of us listening to this today, if we did this, others would do it in their business because of us. And we would be starting this as hopefully you and I, Lynn, are today through this conversation, starting this wave of change that ripples out and out and out. And I use my hands a lot, but, and obviously <laughs> I can't hear that on an audio, but no. you know, I'm, I'm, the ripples will, will, uh, will, will reach out, will unleash this wave of kindness that makes the world fundamentally better for us all. Yeah. And what, one of the things that really jumped out at me when you were talking there was actually how doing this makes us much more aware of our business within the ecosystem it sits. So just going back to the coffee shop example, there was the link between water and coffee in that actually it's the water which allows them to make a coffee in the first place. So mm -hmm. understanding that that resource um, is what they, they, they're drawing on for their own business. But then being able to, to help somebody else by saying, actually, the, the way you, know, you described it, it's a thank you to the customer. And so you're, you're recognizing your customers when you're saying this, you know, we're, we're giving this because you have bought something mm -hmm. or yeah. you have done whatever. So you're then being very aware of your customers and you're really creating a lot of win-win situations rather than it being very um, me-me and kind of win-lose situations. Mm -hmm. It's actually yeah. how can we focus on building our values, building um, what's right for the planet, what's right for society into our business and create situations that benefit everybody connected with the business, those beyond the business, as well as our business. Yeah, absolutely. And we have this wonderful opportunity to, to bring all of those things together and to make our world, to make the world 
better at the same time. And the wonderful thing is there isn't a trade-off. There isn't a choice, an either-or choice. Yeah. The choice is a black and white one. It's whether we do something or we do nothing. And that, that's the choice that we all face, whether we do something or we do nothing. And the default option is to do nothing. If we don't consciously choose to do this stuff, then we're conscious, unconsciously choosing not to do it. We're unconsciously choosing to take that left-hand fork in the world and to go back to the stuff before. Now, if, if, people like, if people, as I do, value the fact that someone will come and mow my dad's lawn, and that's merely an example of the outpouring of kindness, then, and I do value that massively, and I want to see more of that, then... I need to play my part in the ways, as a business owner, in the ways that I can to, to make more of that happen because when we each do that, more and more and more and more of it happens. So I'm not going to be going and cutting anybody's lawn probably, but I, <laughs> I did make, a, I mean, I made a conscious choice two years ago that I was going to effectively retire. And what that means is that instead of trying to uh, earn any more money, instead of trying to sell consulting services and books, I was actually going to give my time and give my books and so on away. Um, knowing that, that when you give them away, you by definition don't earn, earn money. But I wanted to use the voice that I have, the audience that I might have, the platform that I have, the insights that I have, such as they are, to share those freely so that you know the exchange of money doesn't get in the way, so that more people can get hear the message and say, do you know what, I'm gonna, and, and then they can make a conscious choice. Now, the choice is to do something with this or to do nothing with it. My hope is that people will choose to do something with it because it resonates um, with them as the right thing to do, that we can and must use our businesses as a force for good. And it's so incredibly easy to do, and it's absolutely the right thing for the world, and it's the right thing for our business. Sadly, some people will still do nothing, but that's fine. That you know, That's their choice. If, if you and I and, and you, the listener, does something, then we're each of us going to make the world a better place. And, and so... Um, that's that's what I've ch- that's how I've chosen to uh, to effectively spend my early retirement at fifty eight fifty nine is is spreading this message in the hope that, that people will choose to take the right path. So what you've shared there as well is how actually um, focusing on a being a force for good has actually led you to very much um, change how your you're working in that you're now giving giving things away. So, how else has it impacted your life? Well, in, in I, I've only been I've only made this choice to effectively stop earning money and give my time uh, and, and intellectual property and books away in the last year or two. For the previous ten years, I was building this kind of approach into my core commercial activities in the business that I, I used to run. Um, and then sold to the management team at 50 and in my sort of residual business as a speaker and author and consultant for the last um, six or seven years. Um, So it has had a profound impact on the business that I used to own because the business there still does. In fact, they just launched today an award scheme and for everybody that enters the award, um, uh, acts of kindness are going to be... they're going to use B1G1 to, to feed and educate people around the world, if I remember rightly. They're certainly going to, they're certainly going to use the entering the, war, the award as a trigger to make good things happen in, in the world. Wow. So it's still embedded very much in the culture of that business. In my own little business, um, you know, and I, for the last eight years, been a sole trader with a little bit of, of help from my family, working from home, um, speaking, writing, consulting, doing a lot of stuff on Zoom. 
in my little business, stevepipe.com, we have been able to, to create five, in excess of five million days of help um, to people around the world, which is just, and to me, it's an extraordinary thought that is a byproduct of being a, a, an author and, and speaker for much of the last 10 years that we've been able to reach out and create 5 million days worth of help thanks to the support of our customers and uh, and friends in the business community. Not because I've used them for fundraising, but as a byproduct of yeah. the business we have done together. When they have effectively bought cups of coffee from me, metaphorically speaking, then we have metaphorically given days worth of water, which adds up to 5 million days of food, water, education. But it's also flowed through into so many aspects of our personal life because we we as a family use b1g and in, in so many ways when so i'll give you a, a couple of examples um my oldest daughter got married uh, last june almost exactly a, a year ago to this week and um fortunately the wedding was last year not this year otherwise it wouldn't have happened i guess and there were a hundred or so guests at the wedding reception and in in the uk it's quite normal i'm told that during the wedding breakfast when you all sit down to eat the meal together after the service you give a little gift of the bride and groom give a little gift to all of their guests often it's a little box of chocolates you know nicely presented on the on the uh, dining table or it's a little miniature bottle of wine it's a memento um and they decided to do their gift slightly differently so as everybody sat down there was a, a postcard size card that's that and I don't have one in front of me now so I can't read it to you but I can essentially tell you what it roughly what it said it said you know thank you so much for being with us today as our two families come together um so this is a message from the bride and groom Lauren Sam as because there are 100 of us here we have um provide 100 of us sitting down to eat this meal together we've provided 100 people in Cambodia I think it was uh, with a meal so that they can wow enjoy um, a celebratory meal also because there were there were 12 tables about eight people per table they'd done something else that was in a multiple of 12 I forget what the exact acts of kindness were but there was a hundred meals there were 12 um, access to education or, bi- or bicycles I forget I forget and then there were the final one was and because we're two families being brought together we funded um, medical support for two families in uh, I think they were all in Cambodia from memory off the top of my head. But the point was that the the gift to the to the guests at the wedding was not something temporary and tiny like a box of chocolates. It was actually the gift of kindness that flowed out into other corners of the world and into other people's lives. And and as a family, we try to do that many many times. So whenever there's something. So, so actually, Laura, the same, the, the same daughter, um, she just just started finally her new career as a fully qualified GP. She finished med school five years ago, but there's five years of GP training whilst as a junior doctor before you become a fully qualified GP. She literally started uh, two weeks ago today um, as a fully qualified GP, and as as a you know. Often, when someone has a new job, you might give them flowers, and we chose to do it slightly different. So, we we, um, we gave ten years worth of, of medical support to families around the world to represent the ten years that it had taken Laura to qualify. That's the standard qualification period, by the way. She was not slow, but you know, <laughs> there was a. So her gift was knowing that you know that medicine and, and health, which is obviously her passion, um, 
that on as she started to celebrate the 10 years of hard work that had gone into it, 10 years of medical support. So 3,650 days of medical support would be given to um, people in, in, in Africa instead of a bunch of flowers. Now, I can tell you that both to give that present and to, re- which is what we did, and to receive it, which is what Laura did, felt so much better than a box of chocolates or a bunch of flowers. And so we've tried to build this kind of approach into not just our businesses, but into our lives and into our into our habits, into who we are, so that um, you know that our values are there at the bed, bedrock, and everything is rooted in them, rather than lip service. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful, and I'm sure you know. I can just imagine when the guests actually sat down and read that. It's so much more connected and. Um, a more thoughtful gift mm-hmm. than, as you say, just a, a box of chocolates or a glass yeah. of wine, and and yeah, it's a it's a beautiful way to just bring everything into to your life as a as a whole. Yeah, and just really embed that, as you say. Um, so, I just want to ask you one final question, which is. What experience have you had or stories you've learned as a child influenced how you look at money? Yeah, that's, that, that, that's a really interesting question. I'm going I'm to answer it as a child, but perhaps not in quite the same way that you might have anticipated when you asked it. Because um, we, we never stop being children in the sense that I'm my mum and dad's son. I'm their child. I just happen to be old, fat and hairy. <laughs> um, but actually, I think... As an accountant, one of the most, one of, for me, the biggest learning points happened about 20 years ago, and, and it was me both as a son, as a child, and as an accountant. Because if I tell you the story, I mentioned my dad had his lawn mode, and he, currently he, he lives on his own because mum's no longer with us. But, but 20 or so years ago, just in fact, when he was my age, 58, 59, actually, yeah, 20 years ago, he was really stressed at work because technology had moved on, and you know, in his in his role, he was expected to use computers, but he at the time didn't know how to do it. His old printing skills, which is where his background, well, his passion and his real skills were, were being superseded by technology. Anyway, point is, he did not enjoy working, but he believed that he had to carry on from 58 to 65 because that's what you don't retire until you're 65. But it was obvious to everybody around us that it was going to make him ill. He was getting stressed and anxious and just really not happy and, and not going to be well. Um, so I said, well, why don't you retire? Well, I can't possibly do that. You know, my pension doesn't kick in until I'm 65. And I said, Dad, let me sit down and do the numbers. So this is me as, as both his son and his accountant. And the numbers in question were, let's take stock of your assets and liabilities. I don't remember whether there was a mortgage, but basically I produced a personal balance sheet for the family. Mm-hmm. You know, in business, as accountants, we produce balance sheets and profit and loss accounts for, for businesses all the time. But actually, if you ask any business owner, ultimately what's more important, your family or your business, they'll almost all say the family. In which case, the family's finances are way more important than the business finances, if the family's way more important. But we don't take the same level of attention to detail and, and, and we don't focus on our family's finances in the way we do with business. So I took, took business methodology and applied it to family, and I think each of us should do. So produced a balance sheet for mum and dad, which showed their net assets. And they lived in 
just north of London. So property prices, even 20 years ago, meant that the house was worth significantly more than they paid for it and had some other savings. And then I produced a 30-year cash flow forecast that took mum and dad's balance sheet at almost 60 and rolled it forward until they were 90 with you know how much money will come in eventually your pension will come in at 65 and there'll be little bits of interest and whatever 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 how much money do you need to spend each year so we had the ins and outs it was a ro- it was a cash flow forecast over the for the rest of their lives as a family unit and what it showed was that he could afford to stop working now yes there was a temporary gap when there was more going out than coming in but that didn't matter because there was enough assets to be able to draw down and to fund the lifestyle. So what was so armed with that information, and this is what great accountants should do, which is help their client, make sure that their client, in this case, the most important client I could have, my yeah. family, um, make sure they have the right information so they can make informed decisions. The ill-informed con- decision would have been, I can't afford to retire until I'm 65, and therefore I'm going to push myself for seven years hating it and getting iller and iller and iller. The informed decision was, do you know what? Actually, we can we can have our cake and eat it. We can retire now. Yes, we can draw down some of our savings until the pension kicks in. It'll all work out. Now, I did, I triple checked the mass to make sure I wasn't make, messing up their lives. And once he handed in his notice, but he did hand in his notice, and they had almost twenty wonderful years together. Sadly, a few years ago, Mum uh, contracted um, motor neuron disease and and sadly passed away. But you know. There are no regrets because they've had 20 years of health and happiness, being able to do the things they wanted to do together rather than dad getting stressed, possibly not being with us now because of the stress and anxiety. Uh, I think that was the most valuable thing I ever did as an accountant. The general principle is, from that story, is that each and every one of us, I believe, should treat our family finances as even more important than our business finances. And I believe that we should each have a personal balance sheet. And if your accountant isn't doing this, get one that does help you with it. And, and a set of personal financial forecasts to, to make sure that the finance, our finances as a family unit are going to stack up. They're going to fund our retirement. They're going to fund whatever legacy or gifts or money or university education or start homes, whatever we want to do to help the kids. And they're going to fund our holiday plans and so on and so forth. And then, so work with a great accountant to, to make sure that you've got those finite, those projections in place. And if there are gaps, if, it, if the money isn't going to be enough on its own, then work with a great accountant to develop a strategy for strengthening and bolstering those finances to bring more in and maybe spend less so they do give you the life you want. And that brings us full circle because the coffee shop on the right is the coffee shop that will bring in more cash into those family forecasts so that not only do you build, make the world a better place, not only do you make the business more successful, but you are better equipped to enjoy all the things you want to do yourself over your entire lifetime because your personal finances are in a, in a better state. So all of this stuff comes full circle. It, it hangs together. If you make that choice to be a, like the coffee shop on the right, a business for good, doing the right things, all of that falls into place. That's a wonderful link, bringing it right back in that full circle. And I think the other thing um, that kind of comes through is actually placing. So we focus very much on the, you know, the financials, but actually it was the value of your your dad's life, the value of his health, which was important. And it's remembering when we do look at our personal finances, our business finances, that it's 
beyond the money it's beyond the finances it's looking at actually what else is important going back to our values our health our our family's health as you said what do we want to do with our money our legacy um and focusing on that not just purely on what do i need and is it going to last me right mm-hmm. now yeah yeah absolutely Great. Well, thank you very much. Um, Now, as I mentioned at the start, you have kindly offered um, our listeners access to Time to Rise, your new book that you've co-written. So do you want to just quickly explain a bit about it? I would love to, yeah. So actually, we originally were going to call the book Time to Rise, uh, but we expanded the title, (laughs) Our Time to Rise. So the website is ourtimetorise.global, ourtimetorise.global. And mm-hmm. what the book does is it, and it's it's there as a gift to each and every one of uh, of you listening, um, and and indeed once you've got it, you're welcome to give it away to other people as well. You know, un- unlimited. You get a license with the book. We give you the book for free, and you get a license to give the book away for free because the idea or the purpose of the book is to allow you to do the things that we've been talking about today it's actually it's a step-by-step process for becoming the coffee shop on the right in our example it, it rise is actually an acronym for uh, the r stands for reconnect with your values so that you put those values at the center of your business and of your life the i in rise stands for impact work out how you want to impact the world what are going to be those then good those when good then good triggers the equivalent of you know when we sell a cup of coffee we give water that process is is explained in workbook step by step really simple fashion in the i the chapter i in rise s in rise is storyfy that's fine that's identify the right images words and numbers to tell the story of what you are doing so that it doesn't come across as boastful and bragging, but it comes across as as real, genuine, impactful, um, purposeful, and, and and so on. And then E, the E in, in the Rise model is Elevate, which is actually you can inspire others. And one of the ways you can inspire others to come on this journey with us to make a uh, make the world an even better place. And one of the ways you can do that is by giving the book away. The book comes with a license so that you can give it away, so that you can help us all elevate, us all lift up, us all rise and make our world better together so the book is there it's only 85 pages long so there's the other thing about it it's actually the shortest book i've ever written it's in <laughs> it's in workbook style so it takes you through step by step exactly what to do it actually has an accompanying standalone workbook which is also yours for free um as, as a download no trees are damaged in the production because it's a digital download um and so our time to rise.global i would love um you listening to uh, download the book it also comes with unlimited access to me as one of the two authors to pick my brains and get get insights with training videos on the website too there's absolutely no cost anywhere i'm not looking uh, to uh, to get paid in any way shape or form for any of this it is simply to use my retirement such as it is as uh, you know, in the sense I'm, I'm still working hard sitting here it's just i'm not getting paid by choice for doing it because uh, like you, Lynn, I want to do what I can to help make the world a better place. We're at this crossroads. We have a choice of whether to do something or nothing. If you want to do something, the book will help you do it. And that's why I'd love you to have it. That is an amazing gift. Thank you. And I'm definitely going to go and download that. So thank you. It sounds like a really, I love how it's practical. And it's sometimes that's what we really need because 
too often we read a book and we put it aside and forget what we've learned, whereas the practicality of that sounds like it's... I, I promise really you it is a, a complete... There's not an, an unnecessary word in there. This is not a thesis. This is a <laughs> practical guide to exactly what to do, in, and we've broken it down to four steps, R-I-S-E. Brilliant. I look forward to reading it. Thank you so much for coming on and speaking to me today, Steve. And I just want to finish one last thing. This is, I noticed this is the end of your email. And what you say is, be the inspiration, be the change, be there for good, our time to rise. And I just think that's a beautiful way to end our conversation today because it sums up everything you've said. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for everything you're doing, Ling. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Business Counts. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not head over to our Facebook group, Every Business Counts, and share what you've enjoyed and your highlights. I look forward to sharing more with you next week. Bye for now.